It's 12-Sided Guys time. With us, as always, are Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Roos. Hey, that's me. Jordan playing Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina playing Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Welcome back to our edition. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to our adventure. If you like what you hear, consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. That's one, two-sided guys. We have some bonus videos and even access to my notes in the form of a wiki. Or if you just want to show some love, maybe buy us a cup of coffee or a McChicken, you can do that too. I think it's a McChocobo. <laughs> a McChocobo. Hey, we are not sponsored by McDonald's. Just throwing that out there. We love what we're doing and we're super excited that you guys love what we're doing too. And if you learned the hard way that Apple Kid was more trustworthy than Orange Kid, then this podcast is for you. It's the 12-Sided Guys, Episode 9. Right, welcome back to 12-Sided Guys Crystal Codex. If you remember last time, we left at kind of a cliffhanger. Uh, there's a battle going on. We got our party down in the middle of the, the Gallows Square in Tabory. Uh, we have a riot going on to the south. We have a priest of uh, Erdus going down to help out there. We have all these soldiers and constables and deacons wrapped up, all being taken on by this riot of uh, Tabory citizens. But up north... That's where the real battle's going on. As the gallows is burning, we see that Nari is face-to-face uh, -face with Adjudicator Rolf with a priest of Iramil right next to him, ready to heal him or deal some damage as need be. We see that Pine has confronted Adjudicator Rolf as well. And Adjudicator Rolf seems to speak Pine's language, Menorese, and has even saluted Pine in a swordsman salute. Uh, Ebby and Roos have jumped off of a roof. And they're running into the battle as well. And we have a sexy unicorn in the mix. It's crazy. Um, oh, by the way, Bert Bertram has kind of been freed because the two soldiers holding him have been put to sleep. And back in the back, Magister Colbury watches everything with a stunned look on his face. All right, so we're going to jump right back into it. If you guys recall what had just happened, Ebby got stabbed with a spear, uh, taking some damage from a constable. But that big nasty spirit guardians that the priest of Iramil had cast uh, has just gone down thanks to Ebby's, uh, his summoned wolf that he, uh, that he had summoned a few rounds earlier. Uh, finally managed to take that, uh, deal enough damage that the priest failed her concentration check. And now that, that damage is, gonna, is gone now every round. So we're gonna jump back into it. Right at initiative 20, we are gonna see how things are going with the riot. It was going very, very well for the citizens of Tabory. So I'm going to go ahead and roll a d20 with advantage. And it looks like we got a 16. So it looks like the riot is still going strong. People are getting riled up. People who weren't even initially involved in the planning of this are now swinging sticks, um, grabbing uh, clubs, and punching people in the face. It's turning into a brawl. Uh, and that brings us to Pine. Pine, it is your turn as you stand face-to-face -face with Adjudicator Rolf, who saluted you and knew your title in Menories. Okay, that's a, yeah, that's a, okay. All right, so Pine will say, so you've recognized me. 
on guard. And I'm going to go ahead and attack. Okay. Uh, 21 to hit. That does hit. All right. I'm going to... Uh, so that will do 13 piercing damage. And then I'm going to do, on top of that, I'm going to do my... What I forgot to do last time was my Swordmaster's Fury. So I get to do an additional 2d8 damage. Oh my gosh. So that's another 14 damage on top of that. So 13 piercing, then an additional 14. Oh man. And just like wow. that, Adjudicator Rolf is looking like he is, uh, well, let's just say that he is now bloodied as well. Um, okay. Just like the priest of Iramil next to him. Um, and for those of you who never played fourth edition, bloodied just means uh, half hit points uh, or less. Oh, uh, I also forgot I need to roll another D4 for my uh, Wrath of the Stars stance because I still have that going. So that's another two damage. Oh man. So uh, you are definitely uh, making yourself known to this young whippersnapper of a swordsman. Fantastic. Back in my day, we used elegant weapons, not giant cleavers. He raises his eyebrow at you, and he, he'll give you that one. He kind of nods uh, approvingly. Um, anybody who's here in the mix can make an insight check, uh, and, and, and I, I might give you a little bit more information. Man, Pine, I just keep rolling a five. Or keep rolling low when it, with my insight on this guy. Roos rolled a nat 20, so I got a 25 on insight. Woo, man, Roos, nice. you with the crits, man. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. Legit. You're using up your crits on um, not as important stuff, but that's okay. Um, yeah, Roos, <laughs> you get the impression that Adjudicator Rolf is, is actually, he's, he is, he's thriving. He is liking this. And you've had some interaction with him anyway, just with your conversations. You got the impression he was tired of being in Tabry because it was so boring. And now you see he has come to life. Um, his jacket is off his shoulders. It's kind of, it's still belted around his waist. So it almost looks like he has like a gray skirt on, but, um, he is moving around, uh, lithe and quick, even though his sword is very big. Um, and something about the way he fights does kind of remind you of the way that, um, the pine fights with a sword. Okay. Uh, with the riot going on, there are other people, other combatants, but they're all still tied up. So deacons and constables and Imperial guards, they are all, uh, indisposed at the moment but that brings us to the priest of iramil and the priest of iramil is going to reach out her hand and touch um touch adjudicator rolf and she is going to cure wounds i cast counter spell you cast counter spell i don't have that i don't have any level <laughs> okay, three spells. Yeah. <laughs> i just I'm don't like... want him to get any hit points back <laughs> I was like, wait, is that? Can you? Do you? Um, all right. So she is <laughs> going to cast It's the opposite of it. thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. So she, she's going to cast Cure Wounds, and she's going to cast it as a third level, which I believe is 1d8 plus her ability modifier. So that is going to be 3d8 plus... Oh, that was so low. <laughs> he gets back 10 whopping hit points. She rolled very low. Okay. Um, and then uh, she is going to risk it. And she's going to try to... Nope, she's going to stay put. She's going to stay put. All right, Roos, that brings us to you. So, Roos, what you see, you see um, a sexy unicorn uh, kind of spirit being is kind of <laughs> floating around there, clomping along left and right, you know. Um, 
And then you see that Bruce uh, is very distracting. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, there's a constable attacking Ebby, and that's kind of the closest thing to you. But then the whole thing with Adjudicator Rolf and this priest of Aramiel is a little bit further off. Bruce will run into the Adjudicator. Okay. And I'm going to strike at him Okay. with my short sword. Okay. Bruce rolled a 15 to hit. It's probably a miss. That is a miss. Oh, can I... Before I run in, I want to have covered my face with my scarf, like pulled it up to cover okay. at least like yeah. the lower half of my face. Sure thing. Free item interaction. Yeah. Okay. Then that's my turn. Perfect. All right. Nari, it's your turn. Okay. I'm going to go after this priestess again. I'm going to go for her. Let's see. So I got a 25 to hit. I'm assuming that does hit. I Yeah. That is a definite hit. I don't know that she can survive this. Um, and then 14 for damage. <laughs> 14 nice. for damage. Oh, my gosh. Boom. That is a huge hit. And um, let me see. I believe she is barely hanging on. Uh, nope. Cool. Never mind. Nope. She is down. You got her. Nice. She crumples <laughs> to the floor. Now, a quick question. Was that lethal damage or was that like knocking her out type of damage? I would prefer to knock her out. Like, I'd rather have her saved for later because I have some questions, but... Okay. Yeah, you just kind of, as you swing your axe, I, I imagine you kind of flip the blade and you hit her with the, with the flat part of it, which would still hurt incredibly bad, and you just knock her for a loop and she falls down unconscious. Nice. Okay. Which brings us to Adjudicator Rolf. Pine, Adjudicator Rolf is going to swing at you two times. Uh, so the first time is a 19 that hits. And again, he says, um, he says the light of a spark illuminates all scything flame strike. And you take 2d6, which is nine plus. So then you end up taking a total of, uh, you take 10, you take 13 damage and, um, wolf form next to you will end up taking, um, We'll end up taking uh, uh, eight damage. Is there any kind of save on that, or is it just kind of automatic? I'm pretty it's one of those sure. weird ones. It's automatic. It's automatic. Yeah, uh, that's legit. And mm -hmm. the, the Hound of Valley uh, gets dispersed in a puff of magical energy. Okay, awesome. And then what he is going to do is he looks at you, Pine, and he salutes you again, and then he turns around and he is going to move away fast as he can so that means there are going to be some uh some attacks of opportunity yeah i'm taking one he's not going to get away from from me just because he saluted okay yeah am i able to was he close enough that i can attack oh yeah no it looks like okay. Roos and uh and uh nari and pine all get to attack so i'm gonna add uh, i rolled a nine but i'm gonna use my um focus my discipline focus to add 10 to that so it'll be a 19 19 to hit mm-hmm okay he, uh, as you swing at him as he, le as, he, as he's leaving, you hear him say, with sword in hand, the blade defends, shield of slashes. And then he starts oh. spinning his sword around his body and he instantly has an extra five AC. Oh man. Okay, well, I, I missed then. Dang it. So his AC is uh, now, it's a 23. So if anyone can get a 23 to hit him. Ah, bummer. I rolled a 21 to hit. Yeah, I got a 17. Okay. All right, that is his turn. And except for at one point, he does 
he does uh, call out and he says, soldiers to me. And we'll see if anybody actually even hears him. All right, that brings us to the Imperial Guards, uh, the Imperial Soldier's turn. Um, we'll see if he can rally anybody to him. We'll see how they're doing with the riot. Um, it looks like one soldier hears his cry and is uh, going to start making his way to his aid. And that brings us to the Priest of Erdas. She is in the riot. Ebby, it's your turn. You got a constable behind you and a sexy unicorn right next to you. Darn right I do. Um, <laughs> all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use a bonus action to get out of my wolf shape. Um, okay. And I am going to summon Dardriel's eye. And so I kind of trace a circle on the ground with my feet, and it kind of leaves this runic pattern of energy. And I call forth the eye of Dardriel. And I drop this fiery sphere right on the adjudicator. Right on the adjudicator. And this is a uh, this is a save, right? This is not an AC thing. Dex 14 save. Um, and if he fails, he takes 2d6 fire or half of that. All right. He rolled a 17. And his dex is plus zero. So he did save. Jerk. How much damage did he take? Two damage. Man, I rolled real good on these. <laughs> All right. Uh, that brings us now to, are you going to move or are you going to stay put? Um, I'm going to stay put because I don't want to draw the opportunity attack from the constable. But if we can position it so that way that that Dardriel's eye kind of cut off the adjudicator's retreat, that would be great. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So it's kind of like uh, between him and the castle, kind of. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. And uh, the constable behind you, Ebby, he is going to try to stab at you again with his spear. And he rolled a whopping 10. I don't believe that hits you. That does not. Okay. All right. Brings us back up to the riot that is going on. We're back up to initiative 20. Um, this thing is going full on. Oh, no. So I rolled with advantage to see how well the riot was doing. And lo and behold, I rolled two ones oh my geez man <laughs> snake eyes so all of a sudden you hear like uh shouting and yelling and people start to to run uh and they're fleeing the square and um all of a sudden the like the two deacons that are furthest north that are closest to you all of a sudden they're not in the riot anymore they are now in the clear and they both turn around and they look at what's going on up there. And it is actually Pine's turn, but it's their turn after that. Okay. Um, so right now, Bert, his the two guards that were escorting him, they are asleep. He is manacled. The, the guards are asleep for a little bit longer. Yes. Okay. Um, he's manacled his arms. Is he manacled on the legs? Um, no, he's not. Okay. I'm going to look at Bert and I'm going to say, now's your chance. Get somewhere safe. And then I am going to um, pursue Rolf. Okay. Uh, you pursue Rolf while Bert kind of looks around, stands up and, and uh, hurries off to the West. Okay. All right. So I'm going to close my close distance with Rolf and I'm going to go ahead and take an attack against him. His AC is 23. You said, 
uh, currently with his, he is, he's not just standing still, he's literally like whipping his sword around him. Like you ever see the videos of the guys with the shotguns and when they whip it around them and then they shoot at the ground? Have you seen those videos before? They're crazy. Any idea what I'm talking about? No, I, that sounds, that sounds crazy. It is insane. But anyway, he's whipping the sword all around him, like in the front and back. And it's just, it's moving really, really quickly. This is not an attack. This is literally just for defense. And it's a sword technique that you probably have recognized uh, in the past. Okay. Yeah, his, his AC is 23. Well, I roll a 25. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So for damage, I do 11 damage. Okay. And I'm going to do my Swordmaster's Fury again. This is my <laughs> last spell slot. Okay. Uh, for another 11 damage. So 22 damage total. 22 damage total. Oh is my. your stance still up? Oh, and another D4. Yes, you're right. Thank you. I keep forgetting that I have a that I'm also in the Wrath of the Star stance with another four. So that's 26 damage total. Wow, oh. man. Uh, as you as you reach out and you strike him, he kind of looks back at you as his sword keeps whipping around his head, and uh, you see like blood trickling like next to a cut next to his eye. Um, he is he is in bad shape. He's still standing, but um, he he gives you an approving nod, like okay, so. Maybe you do stand up to the hype, um, but then you also see he's like gritting his teeth because uh, he does not want to die. Okay, yeah. deacons turns. We have two deacons that come rushing up out of the crowd, and one of them rushes up towards Nari, and one of them rushes up towards Roos. They both have halberds in their hand, so actually they don't even get within. Uh, they stay back. They stay about ten feet away. Because they can hit you from a distance with a halberd. Uh, so, Roos, the first one swings at you. And does a 16 hit you? Oh, yeah. 16 hits. Okay, that's not too bad. You take 6 damage. Okay. Nari, does a 15 hit you? No. No, okay. Uh, this other one swings its halberd at you, and you manage to uh, deflect it with your great axe. Okay. The priest of Iramil is uh, unconscious. Uh, Roos, it's your turn. Roos is going to... He's going to take a step towards the um, the deacon in front of him and take a strike. And I rolled a 15 with my short sword. Uh, that actually is enough to hit. Hey, did not expect that. I rolled nine damage. Perfect. Um, you actually, you find like a, a, a joint. You've been hanging out with Ebby a bit. So you kind of, you, you know how these things are built. You find a joint, uh, a little place where the metal uh, pieces don't quite line up. And you jab the blade right in there. And you feel you hit something important. And he starts to um, spark a little bit. Still standing, but definitely dealt some damage. So all the time you've been spending with Ebby, you've been thinking, how can I take this guy out? <laughs> and now you're putting that information to good use. I may or may not have planned for each of you. <laughs> all right, Nari, that brings us to your turn. Okay, so I am also going to step up towards this deacon here, and then I will swing at him with my great axe. And I got 17 to hit. And that hits. Why don't you roll some damage? I got seven damage. Awesome. That's awesome. That's that's big damage. Okay. Um, Adjudicator Rolf's turn. He has pine on one side and he has a like a flaming 
sphere thing on the other side of him, and he is hurting very badly. He looks at you, Pine, and in Menorese, he says, Let's see if you really are as good as they say. And he is going to attack you two more times. Oh, man. Pretty sure both of those miss. An eight misses and a ten misses, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> okay. And then he is going to... Um, oh, gosh. He didn't get to do anything. Oh. Well, he, he didn't um, get to do anything. He's done so much, Paul. No, I... <laughs> Yes, that is true. He has done so much, and yet he has no way out of this. Uh, he is going to, I think he's going to, yeah, he's going to have to make a move again. And he's going to move away from the sphere and uh, head back up towards the castle, uh, drawing an attack of opportunity against you. As you attack, just reflexively, he shouts out again, with sword in hand, the blade defends, shield of slashes. And that would be enough to keep my 14 from hitting him. Yes. Yes, it would. I mean, he my did. 14 wouldn't have hit him anyway, but yeah. Yeah. He he is in um, save my life mode, so he yeah. would have done it anyway. All right. And that brings us to um, a guard. Oh, that's right. It does bring us to the guards. And guess what happens? I think if my math is correct, the two sleeping guards sleep on. They should be asleep for what, 10 rounds? 10 rounds. We're coming closer. <laughs> it's still nap time. Evie, it is your turn. Oh, wait, no, actually, uh, uh, I skipped the priest of Erdas. The riot is starting to take a turn, so we'll see what she decides to do. Uh, she's going to stay in there and try to help calm things down. All right, Abby, what are you going to do? I'm going to try to... I'm, I know I'll probably draw the opportunity attack from the constable, but I'm going to kind of run to the side of Roos to engage this um, this deacon. But when I'm running away from that constable, I want to be like, why are you fighting me, you fool? The fight isn't with us. And um, then I'll go ahead and move that direction. Why don't you make a persuasion check before you make your attack? Okie dokie. Ooh, a 15. I don't I do not have good persuasion. So I rolled a 16, but minus one, so 15. Okay. He looks like he's about to stab at you, and then he glances over and he sees that um that uh Bert has just run past him, his hands still manacled, wearing like uh, you know, uh just a a shirt and some some worn pants, and it looks like there's blood on them. Uh I didn't go into too much detail last time, but Bert looks like he's been beat up. Um he runs past him and the constable watches you go and then he turns around and looks at Bert and uh, that's his turn. So go ahead and make your attacks that you were going to do. Nice. So I'm just going to actually heal Roos using Erdos's word. Okay. Um, and oh, let me see here. So heal him for eight. Wow. Max healing. And then why? Thank you. Um, Nari. Nari and. Roos get an additional plus four on that healing. It looks like Pine, you were just outside of my sexy unicorn's aura. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really could have used that sexy unicorn's aura. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and then with my, <laughs> so I'll have that one be my action, and then my bonus action, I want to try to move uh, Dard Dardriel's eye 
back on top of or smash it into um, Adjudicator Rolf. And he gets to make a save, right? Yeah, 14 dex save. <sighs> Deal your damage. Nine fire damage. <sighs> okay. He is... He's running around. He's got his, his sword spinning around him again to defend himself. And the fire just blasts him. It hits him right in the back. Goes right kind of... The sword goes kind of through the fire. It doesn't do anything to stop it. And it hits him in the back. And Adjudicator Rolf falls forward on his face. His sword goes clattering out of his hands. And he is laying prone on the ground, not moving. That brings us to the constable's turn. The constable is going to rush over to Bert, grab him around the shoulders, and help move him out of the square. And that brings us back up to initiative 20, which is the riot. The riot is actually starting to taper off and um, and uh, disperse. You see Imperial Soldier uh, is in the crowd, bloodied. Um, you know, he looks like he's gotten hit in the head a couple times. He looks like he's... Uh, been uh, knocked for a loop you see that the the two uh of the or the three of the deacons that stayed in the riot the whole time two of them are just down and in pieces um but you see that there's one deacon standing close to that imperial soldier that um looks like he's uh, kind of uh got a concussion or something they are standing still as the as the crowd disperses from around them they are still standing there um and that is what's happening with the riot the riot is now no more uh, but you see bloodied constables, you see deacons in pieces, and you see um, you see a, a, a hurt imperial soldier. And uh, that's going to bring us back up to Pine. There are still two deacons that are in the middle of combat, and then uh, we'll see where things get to. But um, there might be some more um, some more enemies coming close soon. Pine will will. Um salute the uh, collapsed form of Adjudicator Rolf mm. and rush into Ajnari with the deacon that she's facing. Okay. And I'll take an attack. Is a 24 hit? Oh, 100%. I am rolling so high. Uh, it's nine damage. Nine damage. Nine damage is enough. This okay. deacon clatters into scrap. Uh, I, if, if it's possible, because I know, uh, having spoken with Ebby about this, I would like to deal non-lethal damage if possible. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. You uh you just you clobber it um with the flat side of the blade and it crumples in. It doesn't like fall to pieces. You don't like rip off a leg like you see has happened to the ones down that were in the riot. Um, but it does shut down for a second. It's now uh in in um it's slumped down in front of Nari. Okay. Um that brings us to the other deacon. The other deacon is going to try to make a choice. Is it going to attack? Ebby, or is it going to attack Roos? It's going for Ebby. Ebby does a, I'm pretty sure it does, does an 18 hit. Oh, yes. You take 10 damage. Good Griefus. Okay. <laughs> Good General Griefus? <laughs> General Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was terrible. What just, what just happened? <laughs> You don't remember the greatest? Oh, I guess I guess episode three was at least better than episode two. But you don't you remember General Grievous? <laughs> he was in the Clone Wars for quite a bit too. So uh, here, story story time. I saw episode three one, exactly one time in a hotel room in 
in uh, Saigon, Vietnam, and it was a pirated copy. It w- that one time was enough. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they cut out like an awesomely choreographed fight scene between the two, and like just decided to scrap it one of the like the last minute but apparently it was like epic hmm. between who between <laughs> obi-wan kenobi and between uh yeah uh, between kenobi and grievous and, and they they scrapped it probably because it was too early in the movie for such a crazy fight scene oh that's too bad because i mean the, the the version that i saw it would stop it, it would repeat certain scenes with the text for your consideration underneath it so it was like an a it was like an awards uh copy <laughs> that's great that's awesome that's fantastic your skin is softer than the sand milady. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that, all right. that just melts my heart <laughs> all right so jumping back into it we've got a priest of Eremil who is still unconscious roos what are you gonna do roos will will strike at the um at the deacon in front of him and uh i, I rolled a 10 to hit Okay, well, that's a miss. Okay. Anything else you would like to do? Um, I'm going to disengage from these guys and kind of step back and stand between the two sleeping um, Imperial soldiers and just kind of readying, you know, in case they start stirring to take action against them. Yeah. Um, why don't you make an insight check? Rolled a 15 for insight. Okay. You're fairly certain that your crystal is about to wear off. Okay. Okay. Nari. Okay, well, I'm going to be honest. I had planned on running up and just killing those two guys. So, but um, now that you look like you have a handle on it, I'll probably reroute a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so just to just to let everyone know kind of what the field looks like, it looks like there's one uh, deacon that's still left. It's, it's been uh, threatening, uh, threatening Ebby. Um, there's two sleeping guards that are about to wake up, and then um, the riot down to the south is starting to disperse, or it has dispersed, and you have some groggy and beat up um, uh, soldiers uh, or constables and uh, and an imperial guard uh, that may make some moves. We'll see how this next round goes. Okay, well, I'm going to head over to that deacon that's bothering everybody, and I'm just going to go for him. Okay. Although I will shout to Roos that he should just kill those guys. Okay. So I got an 18 to hit and five damage. Okay. I, so here's the deal. You can reroll that damage, but it doesn't matter. It's enough. This guy is clobbered. This guy is... Are, are you um? Are you going to keep this guy alive or are you going to knock him out too? Like the other no, one. No, I'm just going to... I'm, I'm going to... Head separated him. from shoulders. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. He's gone. Okay, perfect. All right, you still have some movement left if you want to uh, make it. So here's uh, here's kind of where we're at. We have uh, two Imperial Guard who are about to wake up. We have some people down to the south. If you guys wanted to skip out now, you could probably make it happen. Wait, wait, where did the, uh, where did the Magister go? Why don't you make an insight check? Oh, jeez. And a four. I just, I am so you... good at insight. <laughs> You look around and you're like, wait, he was just there uh, at the beginning of the battle or in the middle. And you just can't remember last time you saw him, but he is gone. Uh, that's a loose end. Right, anybody else make uh, insight checks? Roos rolled 17 on insight. 
Okay. Yeah, Nari got an eight, so nothing useful. Okay. Yeah, so Roos, with your 17, at one point you remember glancing over and seeing um, the the Magister. Uh, he was standing there, and then the next moment he was just gone. Like, it wasn't like he ran away. It was in, it was literally like within five seconds of, of, of glancing over and then looking away and looking back, and he was gone. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But in the heat of battle, I mean, okay, so a little behind the scenes thing. We do use a virtual tabletop when we're playing to help keep things straight. Um, in the middle of the battle at one point, I just deleted the token um, from the field and nobody noticed until right now. <laughs> All right. So what do you guys want to do? Because uh, if you don't want to move now, then there might be some more hullabaloo coming your way. Russell will, will dart away. You know, as soon as he sees things dying down, he's going to slink to the shadows, run to an alley. Okay. Um, Pine will yell out as he runs off as well. He'll yell out, Death to the Empire! Long live Everlyn! Long live Fallen Heaven! And then run off kind of the same way that Roos went. Okay. Yeah, Nari will run off as well. Um, less ostentatiously, though. She'll just she'll just peace out. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to you know just put the blame on fallen heaven. Before before we uh, totally peace out though, if I can interrupt you guys before you leave, do we want to grab Adjudicator Rolf and bring him with us if he's still alive? Well, I think he's gone, but I wouldn't mind grabbing the um, the priestess. We can grab both of them. Can we? Well, Roos is gone. Yeah, Roos is out. Pine is gone. Ebby is there. Nari is gone. So, Ebby, what do you want to do? <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to be kind of a butthead about this, but this is no, a, yeah. a time-sensitive thing. Yeah, yeah. I I am going to try to... I'm going to rush for Adjudicator Rolf and grab him and see if I can't um, kind of duck away with him, carry carry away with him. Okay. What's your strength? Uh, 12. So uh, there should be like some stats for how much weight you can carry. This is a guy who is probably with all of his gear and everything weighs about 220 pounds. So I think you could probably get him up on your shoulder um, and you're just going to be moving at half speed. And then you're going to have disadvantage on all of your checks to like hide or, you know, or be stealthy. Yeah. It heads up. That's okay. Uh, it says you can push, drag, or lift a weight in pounds up to twice your carrying capacity or 30 times your strength score. So with the strength of 12, that would be 360, right? That would be. Yeah. That seems that seems like a lot of weight to be picking well, up. but It's, it's dragging. It's pushing uh, or dragging. Uh, yeah, you're dragging. Oh, okay. You go over there. You start... You're, you're going to drag him. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> you keep reacting oh, to no! things. Okay. <laughs> All what right. is going on, Paul? You just okay. react. Tell us what you're doing. Okay. No, I'm. You guys. Here's the deal. I was making some rolls. <laughs> Everybody saw the rolls that I made, or at least they could have seen the rolls that I made. But, um, but I wasn't telling you what the rolls were for. Um, as you are dragging him out of the square, Ebby, he made uh, three death saving throws, <laughs> and his first roll was a four. His second <laughs> roll was a six. And his last roll was a natural one. Oh, so as gosh. you are dragging him, you see, Ebby, um, you're you're aware of nature and everything. You're dragging him away, and you can see like the bleeding stops, right? 
the pumping of the blood out of these wounds that he's got, it stops. And you realize that you are holding uh, a dead man in your arms. Gosh. Okay. Well, then quickly, I'll search his body. Darn, I wish I would have noticed or thought about that. I've got a really good medicine score. I could have tried to stabilize him, but oh well. Um, can I search his body for anything? Does he have any satchels or any anything like any pouches or anything like that that he's carrying? Uh, he does have some pouches on him. Yes, he's got um, he's got uh, a ring on one finger. He also has um, a pouch at his belt that you can tell instantly that it has some money in it. Um, and uh, he's wearing the equivalent uh, of uh, plate armor. Um, his great sword fell uh, and is back in the square. So that's kind of out of reach. Um, but he does have a dagger at his uh, belt and um, he's got that jacket. Um, I will take, I mean, the money pouch, sure. The ring off of his finger, yes. Um, let's take his dagger as well. I'm less concerned about well, I'll take the jacket too, if okay. uh, might as well. So I'll just strip him down of everything I can carry that's not too heavy. I'll leave his armor. And I mean, if it's will... free ninety nine, like let's not lose money on this. <laughs> right. So I'll, I I will leave the armor because I just I mean it would take a while I think to strip a dead man of his plate armor. And oh yeah, then I it will... would take like ten minutes or something like that. Yeah. So there's there's no way I'm going to stick around for that. So just kind of you know, shake them down for stuff and then just get out of there. Okay. So the way that I'm imagining this, I, I'm imagining that Bert and the constable who was helping him ran off to the West. Everybody else, it seems like was headed East. If you guys were trying to clear out of the, of the square, that would have been the quickest way to get out. And, and especially you, Ebby, cause you were dragging adjudicator Rolf. He was mm -hmm. already kind of off to the East anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Roos okay. would have gone to the east. That was closer to the side that he was fighting at. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Okay. All right, so Bert and a constable go running off in one direction. You guys all kind of dart away in a different direction. And you guys can hear, like, horns being blown and bells being rung around the city. You know, hey, something's going on, something's going on. And um, as you guys scoot out, uh, how, are you, where, how are you guys moving through the city at this point? How how populated are the streets? I mean, is it like chaos still or? Basically, as you guys are running out of the square, you guys could possibly um, look like you are the tail end of some of these rioters who are running away from the square. I think that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I'd like to blend in with the crowd. But yeah, you guys are also some of you are some of you are bloody. Um, you know, and 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 the rioters are carrying like clubs and things and you guys are carrying weapons. It's, that's not I'm just letting you guys know that if you guys are going to try to be deceptive in how you get out of town that, that or how you get out of the area that might play into it just to paint a, a better picture of what's going on. Basically, I'm trying to tell you, I'm going to screw you guys over no matter what. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Roos will try and blend in with the crowd and, and be stealthy about getting out of there. OK, yeah. Pine would also try to look like he's an old man with a cane. Okay. Just casually as a seven-foot lady can stroll down the street with an axe to her back. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, Ebby, I'm assuming that you are not with everybody else? Yeah, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing I'm lagging behind everything because of me trying to drag that body. Um, right. I'm going to duck into an alleyway as far away from 
the main thoroughfares and streets so I can try to kind of like collect myself and rewrap my body and try to make my way um, towards probably probably towards an exit. I my guess would be and get out of the city, get out of the city itself. Possibly, yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So cool. Um. I need. So we have some stealth checks that got made. It looks like. Uh, oh, sorry. I made a de- I made a deception check. I'm sorry. I okay, deception. That's fine. Deception works fine as well because you're moving with the crowd, trying to blend in. Okay. So what what all did you guys roll? I rolled a 16 deception. Okay. Roos got a 23 stealth. Okay. Nari got a four stealth. So we're not being sneaky. <laughs> well, you're not being sneaky. You kind of stand out. Um, and then, um, Ebby, I need you to make a stealth check because you're trying to hide and get yourself wrapped back up. Got it. Let's see how we do. Oh, critical fail. Mm. So I rolled a, a one plus one, so two. Okay. Um, okay, so this is how this is going to play out. Um, Pine and Roos, you guys blend in with the crowd pretty well. Roos, because you just kind of don't get seen. Pine, because you're not the only you know, old man who's trying to leave the scene of a riot. Um, uh, but uh, Nari is kind of walking along, head on a swivel, looking left, looking right, and you just stand out. I mean, you're seven feet tall. You're wearing chain mail. you got a big old axe on your back. Um, you've got blood on your clothes. Um, some constables are running towards the square from elsewhere in the city, and one of them stops and stands up in front of you, and he says, Hey, you, what's going on? And he, uh, he levels his spear at you. Nari. Don't worry about me. I'm not your enemy. You should head on that way and make sure everyone's getting getting home safe. Why don't you make a uh, persuasion check? 15. Okay, so you rolled a 15 persuasion, and um, he looks around. He sees other people who have, like, looks like they've been, like, in a brawl, and he, he looks left, looks right, and then he 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 squints his eyes at you like I got my eye on you, and then he runs off and he runs towards the towards the square. So you managed to talk your way out of that one because he rolled a six. Okay, um, Ebby, here's what's happening with you. You find a like an alley. Um, so you're still in the upper city, um, which is more the rich part of town, um, and you are bent over. You start to kind of wrap yourself up before you get too far. Uh, suddenly you see an imperial, an imperial soldier come up behind you and he says, you deacon with me. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. He turns around and starts walking and just waiting for you to fall. And, and it just expects you to follow. <laughs> Can I try to take on my fighting baton and club him over the head? Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> Why don't you make uh, you can, I'll give you an attack. Um, with advantage because you got surprise, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what you can do. All right, let's see here. Um, oh, cool. So um, fifteen plus three, so eighteen. Oh, fantastic! Why don't you go and roll some damage? All right, I rolled a three damage. <laughs> three damage. All right, you go to knock him up on the back of his head and. You hit him kind of across the shoulder. I mean, it definitely hurts him, but he turns around and whips his spear at you, and he's like, what, are you malfunctioning? And he's going to start stabbing at you. So he's going to take a stab at you. So you get to have this little one-on-one fight with a guard. So here we go. He rolls a 10. Does that hit you? No. 
Okay, why don't you do what you're going to do? Okay, um, I know that we're not technically in like initiative, but can I use a bonus action to use Innervating Strike? On, okay. on your turn, you can do your three things, move, action, bonus action. Yes, you can. Okay, cool. I'll do Innervating Strike and then have a swing at him Okay. Th this time with a little bit more oomph. Oh, gosh, another nat one. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, he uh, He starts cursing under his breath, and he's like, we never should have trusted trusted a uh, uh, mechanical men and he swings at you again um does a 14 hit i mean sorry no, uh, uh, yeah a 14 hit no it does not okay your turn <sighs> come on not a nat one come on <laughs> an 11 no it does not hit i'm having flashbacks <laughs> to a wolf chasing down a hobloid does that sound familiar to anybody else <laughs> i yeah i have the worst roles of anyone else i know that plays dungeons and dragons no this guy rolled a four he's not hitting you either <laughs> all right, all right here it's we your go. turn again just trading blows it's like rock'em sock'em robots 12 <laughs> oh to hit God. no this is gonna be one of those no. bits that just happens regularly oh Ebby fights somebody <laughs> on his own and they just keep missing each other well this time Ebby does get hit he does take six damage fair enough all right i, I see you i see what you're going for <laughs> Another 11. Nope. I can't roll higher. I can't roll a double digit D20 to save my life right now. Yeah, well, he, he rolled a seven. So it's your turn again. If you want to try to run or anything, you can do that. Or you can. Oh, oh, no. I'm, I rolled a 22. I will kill okay. this man. Oh, so help me. <laughs> so you got to do eight <laughs> damage to kill him. Come on, big money. No whammy. 11 damage. <laughs> That, oh, nice. That would have killed him in one shot. Um, yeah, so you guys keep going back and forth. He gets you a couple times. There's a big scratch across your chest that actually kind of, um, it opens a little bit, which is, you know, I mean, it's it's metal, but you can feel like the, the metal plating itself is kind of weakened in that spot because he got you pretty good. But then mm -hmm. you just, bam, hit him, and you see teeth go flying, and you know this guy is not getting up. All right. Do you manage to wrap yourself up the rest of the way in all of your bandages and your your uh your wraps and where is everybody going so um for ebby i think he's gonna make his way to the eastern gate which was that was the was that the forest gate yeah that was the forest gate yeah okay so i'm gonna head over there as quickly as i can just to see if any of the other group makes their way that way and tries to leave the city um okay so i'll, I'll do that for now okay i think that that's where pine was heading as well Roos is going to so, make his way down to the muds. Okay. So, Pine, you and Roos were kind of together a little bit, I imagine. Um, uh, Nari got um, uh, held up a little bit, so she's a little further behind. But, Pine, you look around, and, and Roos is not with you as you head towards the forest gate. And, Nari, you actually, since you're kind of coming up from behind, you, you, you think you see Roos heading south towards the muds as you guys are heading towards the forest gate. Actually, Nari, I don't even know. Were you planning on going to the gate as well? Yeah, no, I'll go with them to the gate. Um, okay. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit too obvious to blend in here. Okay. All right. Um, so, Ebby and Pine and Nari, you guys get to the forest gate. Um, and the first thing you notice at the forest gate is that it is... Um, the portcullis is down. Um, make a um, perception or investigation check. Pine got a 12. Ebby rolled a 13. Nari got a 9. That gate's closed. 
The gate is closed. It's not open. I perceive um, that the gate is closed. <laughs> but Ebby, you notice that there is nobody present at the gate. The portcullis is down, but uh, you don't see anybody manning the gate. Hmm. Aren't there like side entryways? So like when the portcullis is down, isn't there like a, a one man, like single person entryway? So not this uh, city gate. I, I know what you're talking about, like a postern gate type of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm not a, a medieval um, architect, so a postern gate would have been a great idea. But <laughs> there's no postern gate. <laughs> but as you're standing here and you look, um, you look at these two, uh, like the two, uh, it, the gatehouse itself has, um, it's like one big building, but the middle of the, of the first floor is open, like a tunnel you can go through. And then the building kind of goes up and around it. And you can see a staircase leading up to the second floor um, on either side of the opening for the for the for the gate, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can access the building um, uh, that way. Well, let's get this gate open. And Pine will just start heading toward, uh, let's just say, the north side. Okay. I'll go with them, too. Nari will as well. I'll go help. Okay. You uh you go up and you open the door. The door is actually open into this uh into this uh building, and you can see inside there is like a fireplace. You can see arrow slits looking out, um, looking further east out um outside of the city on the opposite wall. You see a table with uh chairs. One of the chairs is actually tipped over. There's like cards on the table. It looks like they were in the middle of playing a game or something, and they left in a hurry. Probably what happened is they were going, they were here manning the gate and they heard all the commotion, all the bells and all the, all the, uh, uh, horns being blown about the riot. And they, they dropped everything and ran to go help out there. So you see, um, a wheeled contraption, um, kind of towards the middle of the room at, that you assume will raise and lower the portcullis. So it's just a matter of getting that up and then you guys can get out of the city. All right, Pine will go start helping Nari yeah, <laughs> turn let's the go wheel. This shit up. <laughs> All right, as you guys start to pull on the wheel, um, Pine, you you wait for Nari to get there, and then as as you both heave, you feel it just a little bit of resistance, and then it actually it starts to move on its own, and you can hear a little whir going like a like a servo or something inside starting to go. And you realize that this uh, contraption that raises and lowers the portcullis is is Crystal Tech. And so you start the process of getting the wheel to turn, and then it starts turning on its own. And before you know it, the portcullis, both of the portcullises are up. And you have a free exit out of the city. Okay. Let's get out of here. Run away! (laughs) (laughs) Roos knows what he's doing. He'll be able to find his way out as well. You guys, uh, you head out of the gatehouse and are, um, you're instantly kind of into uh, forest land um, of the uh, of the local area. Um, so uh, Tabri, just another quick reminder for people, Tabri is kind of built uh, up in the foothills of the Glass Mountains, just at the base of Mount Tabor, but there's also surrounded by forest land. So 
to the further east um, is the old forest, but Tabri itself kind of sits just right on the eastern edge of, uh, of, of a western forest called the Misty Wood. And so you are uh, out of the city and instantly into forest and trees. These are like evergreen trees. Uh, with every once in a while, you'll see a deciduous tree, but a lot of those have lost their leaves. This is now the fall. Um, it is a crisp, um, bright uh, day. Uh, no clouds in the sky. It's one of those. It's one of those fall, um, autumn days up in the mountains. That's just really cold, but really bright, really sunny. Where the sun is almost enough to keep you warm, even though the air itself is very cold. Um, and that is where we will leave you guys for the moment. Roos, you as the riot is dispersing and you are blending in, you turn south and head down towards the muds. What is Roos doing? Roos is going to head home for a quick stop to say goodbye to his mother. All right. Um, as you approach your home, uh, one thing that you notice, and I won't make you make a check for this, it's pretty obvious, um, that soldier, that imperial, imperial soldier that was... Uh, keeping your mom safe, uh, is not there. Hmm. The house is sitting there, um, on its dirt packed road, uh, as it has since you can remember. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll head into the house and, uh, open the door and say, mom, mom, are you home? Uh, you see her, like she's sitting at a table. Um, the one like table that you guys have in the house um, there's like, there's two chairs and a table and there's a little fire stove type thing. Um, and she gets up off of the stool and she rushes over to you and she says, Oh, Rusi, I was so worried. I heard, I heard bells. I heard horns. I heard quite a commotion, uh, yelling and screaming. Um, people, I saw them coming, running back South here from, I guess it was the, the hanging. Did they, did they hang that poor man? Well, I, I tend to get myself into the middle of, of sticky situations, and and I helped. I guess I'll call him a friend. I helped a friend free that man. So no, no, the hanging didn't happen. You can see that she looks a little bit. She looks relieved, but not any more at ease. Hmm. She says, "So, so you're you're a criminal." I've. I've walked the fine line of the law for pretty much my whole time working with the Howling Talon. I don't think I was identified. I had my face covered. So I, I don't think that there's nobody will come looking for me. But I do have to leave town again. You see her shoulders slump and she says, Bruce, I'm. Yes, I, I, I didn't mean to insult you calling you a criminal i i didn't mean it as a i meant i meant it more so the empire the empire's after you but i guess if you manage to to keep your face hidden maybe maybe they won't link you back to me yeah i hope i hope so too um about that this this friend that i've made he gave me his house and told me to to give it to you. He lives up in, and I'll give her the address of, of Pine's old home and say, you, you don't have to live in the muds anymore. You can live in, in a nice home. I mean, I didn't get a chance to go and look at it myself, but 
I think just about anything could beat what what this is. And I'll try and say that as <laughs> inoffensive as I can. <laughs> okay, well, why don't you make a uh, persuasion check and we'll see how offended she wants to be. Oh! <laughs> so she rolled a natural 20 for being offended. I rolled an 18 for my persuasion. Uh, okay. Um, she she takes it a little bit hard. She says, but she says, well, I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Ruth, but, but this is, she takes the key. She says, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take it. But just remember, this is your home. This is where you came from. This is, this is who you are. Don't forget who you are. And then she kind of grabs you by your face, by your cheeks, and she looks you in the eyes and she says, have you forgotten who you are? And you can hear like tears in her eyes. Well, you can see tears in her eyes. You can hear like a crack in her voice. I'll I'll look look her in the eyes and say, I I guess I don't know who I am. I when I met with Kira, she put some doubts in my mind about, about my decisions and, and the life that I'm leading. And I I guess I, I just really don't know. But I'm gonna play this out and see where where these new friends of mine are going. And and maybe I'll find out who I am. And then she lets go and she says, you're my son and that's who you were first and that's who you will always be and if you come back you will always have a place in my home i i appreciate that i i promise i'll start writing letters again i have a very sad story to tell you but i'm it's the reason i haven't written i just don't know how to how to tell it but i'll i'll try my best but i do need to go because I, I don't want them to come looking for me. Okay. All right. You you best go. Okay. And then as you're walking away, she says, Roos, mm-hmm. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Mom. That won't ever change. Okay. All right. And then Roos leaves his mother's house. Mm-hmm. And I'll head out to the same gate that everybody else went to. Okay. When you arrive there, you see that the portcullis is up. Um, Nobody's there. No, I mean, there's people, people are like, as you're walking through the city now, things have kind of calmed down a little bit after your talk with your mom. And you see that people are, uh, they're talking in hushed tones. And, uh, you know, you hear, you, you see a lot of excitement of people saying, yeah, we really stuck it to the empire. Yeah. And then somebody else saying, what is the empire going to do to us now? And so there's a lot of mixed feelings. Um, some people are very excited about what just went down. And other people are very scared about reprisal. And um, and then you hear people saying, yeah, well, no, they said it was fallen heaven. It was fallen. We can't help it if it was fallen heaven, right? That's not our thing. And then somebody else said, well, I, I wish I could find fallen heaven so I could join them and take it to the empire. So there's uh, a lot of um, conversation going on. As you head back over to the gatehouse, uh, heading out the east gate, the forest gate, and uh, there you go out into the forest. What's everybody else been doing? I think that uh, Pine would have just been inside the tree line watching for anybody coming out of the gate or anybody coming toward the city, uh, specifically watching for Roos, but trying to stay out of sight. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think we'd give Roos a little bit of time before we abandoned him. (laughs) (laughs) At least like 10 minutes. I'm not a monster. (laughs) 
you see a few people actually come out of the city. Um, and then after about 15 minutes, then you see the shape of Roos uh, exit the city and start heading down the road uh, towards the forest where you guys are are hiding. I'll do one of those signal whistles but that I can't do in real life, but but Pine definitely knows how to. Like that? Yes, just like that. Just like <laughs> that. Cool. Yes. Okay. No, this was Pine. This was a roost, not Ember. Oh, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to miss her. <laughs> well, I'm glad that... Uh, I'm glad we were able to get Bird away from the noose. It's a shame I had wasn't able to speak with him some after. I hope he's smart enough to know that he may need to leave the city, perhaps permanently as well. I think he's smarter than I ever gave him credit for. I think he, um, I think he knew. I think he knew who wrote those letters, and I think he stood up and took my place, because he's a good man. And we saved him today. Exactly. I get the feeling that it was a deliberate choice on Bert's part, and hopefully we gave him the ability to live to see another day. Yes, yes. So the question is, what do we do now? We have that crystal. We could let Fallen Heaven know what we did. I think that's a wise idea. Yes, I think we absolutely need to check in on them and make sure that they got away safely, too. Well, there's still the other the other half of the Imperial forces looking for the uh, the heir of the Everland Kingdom. Maybe we could try to route them or or beat them to the uh, to the prize. You know, you raise a very good point there, Pine. If the heir to the Everland Kingdom is about, uh, he or she may need our help. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to make an insight check. Pine rolled a twelve. Evie rolled a 10. Nari rolled a 6. Roos got a 17 on insight. Here's what I will tell you about um, kind of, well, I, I, I'm going to raise some questions is what I'm going to do. Your insight is kind of uh, to see what kind of questions come to mind. Nari, you are, you're coming down off a high. I mean, that fight was, was pretty epic. And for the first time in this campaign, I mean, I don't know how close anybody actually got to death, but nobody went unconscious. And so I imagine Nari's feeling pretty good about how that all went. <laughs> uh, the pieces kind of fell into place. The riot worked amazing, especially with uh, the roles that the rioters were making. Um, so you're kind of coming down off this high. Ebby, uh, as you are thinking about like what to do next and thinking about this heir uh, of Everlyn, um, you, you kind of... You can't help but notice um, on your back is a very large, round, crystal, family-sized Papa Murphy's pizza. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Delicious. It's just resting there, right? Uh, And you don't really know what it does, what it's for, why it is, or anything. Um, But you know that it kind of seems unique. And, you know, as you're thinking about it, you kind of, you reach back and pat it or something and you feel you feel that book that book that you took out of that facility um that um that you couldn't read uh pine uh as you start thinking about um the air of of everlyn you start thinking uh with your 12 you start i guess the question i'm like i'm going to i'm going to ask a, a question of of pine what does pine 
know about the rumors of the heir to the kingdom of Everlyn? Oh, uh, that fallen heaven is looking for them that we, we don't know what, who, who it could possibly be. We know that the empire was very confident that they were going to find this heir. Um, and we know that it's a symbol. That's what pine remembers. Okay. Okay. Lots of rumor, right? Lots mm-hmm. of rumor. Okay. All right, so that's just something for Pine to think on as he's chewing on his lip. And then, uh, Roos, you got the highest insight, and all I'm going to do for you is probably make you mad. You and your sister, <laughs> you can't help but go back to your conversation with your sister about symbols and about you know the symbol on your glove and what it means for you and the symbol of, of the heir to the Everland throne and what it could mean for Article V province, the former country of Everland. And something about that conversation just nags at you. It's just picking at your at your subconscious, and you can't quite figure it out. But there's something about the conversation that is you feel like it was important, but you can't put your finger on what it was. Okay. Roos thinking out loud kind of says to the group, what if fallen heaven is making up these rumors to kind of plant the seeds of of discontent in the land what if there is no air i wouldn't put it past them why draw attention to to fallen heaven here though i i don't know i w- <laughs> i wish i had more answers to this but i don't it's got me thinking I don't know what to do next, but I think the die's been cast on, on our path from here on out. Tabery's lost to us, I think. But I think I should go back and listen to episode five and six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh my gosh. <laughs> Fine, I, I want to say thank you for giving your house to my mother. That was That was very generous of you. Your mother raised two exceptional children, mm. and she deserves comfort. Th- that's a good way to put it, I guess. Although my sister and I are very different, we, we've we made something of ourselves, and so I appreciate that. Yes. Well, where are we headed next? I think we're going to go find that heir. If one exists. The alleged. Yeah. Maybe we could pick up the trail of, uh, of the, other, the other half of the uh, Imperials and follow them, see where they go. Mm-hmm. We would know where the other, kind of the direction the other half of the uh, Imperials would be going because we, to- we told them. So we can kind of follow the trail that mm-hmm. we um, gave them to go find Fallen Heaven. Yes, because yeah, you do. know exactly where they're going because they're going to the cave that you guys were in two days ago. Yep. Just a reminder, there are a lot more soldiers going to that cave than there were here in town. You said we, you said half. I said more than half left. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said like like 20 deacons left. Yeah. Mm. Now, Paul, it sounded like mm-hmm. the, the hanging was to happen at like dusk, right? So I'm guessing yeah. it's like dusk or nighttime now. 
Yeah, yeah, the, the sun is definitely going down. It's it's dark. Okay. Well, do we want to set up camp somewhere nearby? Do we want to start making ground now? Yeah, that sounds good. I think we should we should put an hour or two between us and the city before we camp. I think that's a wise idea. And I may suggest that we do not light a fire or anything of that nature tonight. Hmm. We'll have to huddle together. Keep each other warm. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not huddle, huddle too close to Abby, though. Metal gets cold at night. <laughs> yes, I'm useless for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right, you guys. So as, as the sun sets down behind the mountains and the shadows stretch until they become dark and you travel down uh, the road uh, a ways to get a little further from Tabory before calling it a night. You guys can't help but think of all of the, all the craziness that happened today. You saved a life. You ended a few others. Um, but all in all, your plan worked. And now you get to deal with the fallout. And that's where we'll leave you guys for tonight. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Crystal Codex with the 12-Sided Guys. If you like what you hear, uh, go ahead and tweet about us. Hashtag 12-Sided Guys. That's hashtag 12-Sided Guys. Um, you know, go check out our Patreon. Uh, if you like what you hear, thumbs us up or heart or give us a good job or whatever it is that your podcasting app does. Yeah, give us some meow meow beans. <laughs> give us some meow meow beans. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yes, if you like what you hear, uh, let us know. And other than that, we'll see you guys next time for Crystal Codex Episode 10. <laughs>